0: Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. I have been uh, talking a little bit for the past, like us couple months about um, abiding in Christ and, and what that, that means a little bit. I felt like God has led us to kind of go that way. And uh, I, I began last week talking about a subject um about mindset, what the Bible has to say about your mind. Uh, it's, a, it's a subject that usually I reserve for when you call me and you want a coffee and you're about to break down. This is my this is my talk. Uh, one of my favorite pastors says, I have one sermon. It's 10 hours long, and uh, I've just preached it for the last 20 years. So this is kind of my sermon. So this subject I can talk a lot about. So last week we talked a little bit about mindset. I want to talk to you for a few more weeks about it in, in some facets about uh, what it means. And we're going to talk today a little bit more about the tongue, uh, the tongue is is a valuable piece of your body, even though uh, you mainly just use it probably for uh, tasting all the barbecue that Allie had yesterday. Um, but the tongue is powerful. The Bible says, and the Bible says that um, it can change your life or it can destroy your life. And so when we talk about mindset, in Isaiah, the Bible says that uh, God says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, we're not talking about the clouds where you can see NASA spaceships. We're talking about way far away. Um, and you can think about uh, the Hubble telescope can see for a gazillion mile, light years away and, and all that stuff. Um, but as, as far as God's heaven, as his throne is from the earth, is so far different than his ways from our ways. And oftentimes our approach to Christianity and the faith and how we're going to live life is added up by uh, we think we're doing a good job. And we start to form thoughts. We start to form opinions. We start to form lists of how we're going to do things. And then uh, we establish kind of a system or a program in our life about how we're going to uh, live life and be attached to God or or come close to God. And the Bible says that as, as, as close as you get with your ways, my ways are so much higher and so much different. And so sometimes our thoughts are... Uh, are, 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 well, they are running our lives. It's our thoughts have been programmed for uh, over time, over years, over, over decades, and, and then we just kind of live out the same program over and over and over again. So when God steps up and says, excuse me, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. It would do us good to listen, right? And the Bible says, I want you to be quick to listen, slow to speak, Quick to listen, so to speak. So, have you ever uh, you ever tried to talk to somebody and all they did was talk, like, and you finally, like, you know, are you done? Can I say something? Yeah, but and they, they keep going. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody like that? You get a boss like that? You do if you want to interject, they're like, ah, and you're like, I, I already did that. Let me just say something. Let me get my thoughts in. But when, when God steps on the scene, he's like, hey, let me just talk to you for a minute. And if you, if you ever read the, the book of Job, it's an amazing book about Job's life. And he goes through all this stuff, and all of his friends come around. They all have opinions. Job has opinions. His four friends have opinions. His, his wife, who ends up dead, has an opinion. All of these things. And pretty soon, at the end of all of these chapters, God shows up. He's like, are you guys done talking? And then he says stuff like, have, do you know how a ram uh, 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 a you gives birth to a young ram? And they're all like, uh, is that? am I supposed to answer that question? I, I, I don't know, right? So when God shows up and he starts talking, it does it's good to listen. So in his word, he has talked so much about our mindset. He has talked so much about what we say. He has talked so much about what we're supposed to think. But oftentimes, we are not listening. You, know, you want to know how I know we're not listening? Because we don't see change in our life. So when Jesus comes to the earth, he says, I want you to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we're talking about most of the Bible has been has been written by this time. And Jesus comes up. He's like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to really talk to you about what God wants for you. He wants you to repent. And our idea of repent is to say you're sorry. I talked a little bit last week about um, Avery and how she always says she's sorry. And it's like, Avery, I don't want you to... to to say you're sorry, I want you to stop hitting the neighbor kid in the face, okay? He's only four years old. Like, (laughs) this is what Avery does constantly. It's like, I don't want you to say you're sorry, I want you to change the way you think about what's in front of you. And so when Jesus says, I I want you to repent, the word metaneo is that word repent, and it is a change of mind. It is a complete change of thinking. And most of us want to adapt a new rule or a new tactic to our old way of thinking. And the Bible is telling us that we need to transform our complete way of thinking and change it 180 degrees and go the opposite direction. So when God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, we should listen and begin to figure out how we need to change and focus our mind, our life, our thoughts, our actions, and our words. Anybody remember last week our little, our little four words on, this, on the screen? Somebody texted me this week. It was like, I used those four words this week. You got them real quick, Jaden? Look like at this. Actions, words, thoughts, deposits. And for the first, for the next few weeks, I want to talk about this, is, is your actions. And most of us, you know, we have actions with ourselves, people around us, our kids, uh, you know, our boss, whatever. We have all these actions. And then we have words. And most of the time, we're not addressing our words. We just say whatever the heck we want to say, right? And then we think we're doing something really good. Like, well, I got it off my chest, right? But it's not, not what the Bible says. And then our thoughts, I'm going to talk about that a little bit next week, and then our deposits. And so I'm going to give you some practical things, and we're going to talk a little bit today about words. So if you're ready, open your Bibles to James chapter 3, and we'll look into what the Word of God has to say about our words. James chapter 3 and verse, uh, we'll start with 2. James chapter 3, verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, this is my opening text. I'm supposed to read through this whole thing, but let's just stop for a second. James, the brother of Jesus... Says he's like, whoever is perfect in what they, whoever is not at fault in what they say, is perfect. Now, we are so hung up on being not perfect in our society. You know what I mean? It's like popular to be like, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. But the Bible says you can actually tune in what you say, and you can become more and more perfect. Aren't you glad about that Sam? You can change what you say and you become more able to keep your whole body in check by what you say, by what you say. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by the strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot wants to go, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. Let's pray and go home. No, I just want pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We know that you're, what you have to say is effective. I pray that we would open our hearts, open our minds, and, and soak it in in such a way that our lives are redirected. And Lord, we believe that we can actually train to become the kind of people you want us to be each day, little by little, and we can become champions of the faith because of what you have to say to us on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So, are words. The Bible says a lot about words. And I, I talked a little bit about Joshua last week. And one of the first things that uh, God says to Joshua, he's like, be strong and very courageous. And then he says, I want you to say this often. He's like, I'll be with you like I was with Moses. I want you to say, I, I'm strong and courageous. The Lord is with you wherever you go. He's like, write it on your forehead so that you get to say it a lot. You get to see it a lot. And a lot of us rewrite um, things on our wall. In my office, I have all sorts of stuff written on my wall. Um, I've written it over time, and, and people come in and they go, I just love to just read your wall. And sometimes I forget that it's written on the wall. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I have to look on there, and I get blessed all, all over again. Me and Eric getting blessed and crying a little bit. Eric's a big baby like me, so uh, we cry and, and get all touchy-feely. And, and, uh, but something written on the wall, not important. And you probably have something written on your wall, right? You probably have a picture, a little Bible verse, Right? Does anybody have a Bible verse on their wall at home? Right? Something, somewhere that reminds you of God's goodness. And oftentimes we get so comfortable with the thing that's written on the wall because we don't often say it. Right? We can see it. We can walk past it. We can see pictures of our family, you know, all, all cuddled up. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But then when stuff starts going to hell... You're like, oh, my gosh. You're like, my, we're not serving the Lord. My family does not serve the Lord. We're not going to serve the Lord. I mean, everything is going down. Down is terrible, right? But we don't say the thing that's in front of us. And so what, what God tells Joshua is, I want you to keep this before you day and night. Give it to your kids. I want you to say it often. Why? Because what we say transforms our lives, it's that way. The Bible talks about what we say a little bit. In Proverbs 16, 23, it says this. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth. Instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. I thought this was about my brother Dave for a while, like growing up. But like, he's so persuasive, you know. I didn't want to do anything. My brother Dave would be like, hey, why don't you go in there and get me a sandwich, you know. And he could make me go get him a sandwich. I don't know how he always did it, but he could do it. Persuasive. But imagine this the heart of the wise, if you become wise, you instruct your mouth. When's the last time you instructed your mouth? Think about it. Probably, probably just to put your mask on to come to church, right? Your mouth's like, I don't want to wear a mask. When's the last time you instructed your mouth? Let me ask you this. When's the last time you just let it run wild? This morning? Last night, before you went to bed, did you run it at your kids? Did you run it at your spouse? When's the last time you just let it run wild? The wise instructs their mouth what to say. And so the real question is, Brandon, what am I supposed to tell it to say? Right? That's what we all want to know. What am I supposed to say out of my mouth? And that's the million-dollar question. Most of us will say all the things that we probably don't even want to have happen and speak to them like they're already happening. Am I right? Am I right? And isn't it funny how some people feel like they can read the future and nobody ever checks them on it? They're like, you know what's gonna happen now is that we're gonna go to martial law and everybody's got to have guns, they're gonna shoot their neighbors, and they're gonna do this, and they they, they draw a whole it's like a a movie script. They have the whole thing. And you know what? Then Kanye's gonna become president. And you're like, what the heck? For those that don't know, Kanye just tweeted last night that he's gonna run for president. So, I mean, like, it's crazy. We just make up these whole stories, right? And usually the person that talks the most, we all just sit there and go, yep, 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 uh huh. And they're like, and they, and they, they know how to say certain phrases like, am I right? Am I right? Huh? Am I right? And you're like, mm hmm. Because you don't want to just go, shut up, you're a liar. Right? And oftentimes, we do that same thing to ourselves over and over and over and over again. We just aren't as loud about it. Your mind is running a record over and over and over again. And usually, if you'll pay attention to the things you're saying, it's the stuff that is in your mind. It's this story that you have made up about how your life is going to go. And all your life you've been doing it, and you know what? 99.99999% of the time, it never turns out. But you never check yourself on it, do you? You just let you do it again. Tomorrow, what kind of story are we going to make up? Right? You're not instructing your mouth, but you got to add persuasiveness to those lips. You've got to convince yourself about what's gonna happen. David says it this way. He's like, I am convinced that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Right? As actually, uh, the Bible says that that David was so freaked out one time, time, he just went to a cave, and the Bible says that he encouraged himself and the Lord while he was scared in a cave. I wonder what encouraged himself and the Lord was like. For us, when we go to prayer, our idea of intimacy is just to like bounce a bunch of requests off God. Well, if you could, you could heal our land, if you, could, if you could just save my kids, if you could, we sound like auctioneers, and then we get done, like, hey, thank you, God, I'll be back tomorrow. Prayer and intimacy with God is learning to speak the things of God and then listen as God downloads things into you. And if he downloads those things into you, I guarantee you, you'll learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. You'll be persuasive with your lips, and it will instruct your mouth. It's so encouraging. I, I wasn't always this way, uh, because I, I, didn't, I didn't ever see it. But I was like, I would, I would run my mouth about something, and I, I had just like great respect for people to go, that's not true. You know what I mean? Like you just sit down and you start talking, and they would go, no. And they would say, this: yes, I can't say that. When's the last time you said, I can't say that, about something negative? I, I won't say that. I'm not going to let that even come close to my mouth. Instructing your lips. It takes training. It takes discipline to do this. It's, 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 uh, in Psalm 141, this is what the psalmist says. 141.3, I think you should memorize it. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Now everybody's sitting with masks on. That seems like a pretty logical deal. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. And then the next part is this. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Wouldn't it be great if God just came down from the sky and just smacked you in the face every time you started talking? Right? Just like your mother. Just like, you talking naughty? Whap! But that's what, that's what it's saying. He's saying, he's like, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And most of us are not instructing, and we don't even want God involved in what we say. We just hope that he takes us to heaven, and we'll just say whatever we want. We'll just live however we want. We'll just kind of float around and hope nothing bad comes to us. And when bad does come, then we'll pray. And then it's like, almost like God comes down and says, remember when I told you to instruct your mouth? That's what you got. That's what you got. Instructing your mouth. Here's the deal. We talked a little bit. uh, On Wednesday night, me and Chuck are teaching about angels and demons. Uh, It's a good subject. What the Bible says about angels and Satan. Last week we talked about Satan. You can check it out on uh, ES First Online. But um, here's the thing about Satan. When Jesus came... I'll give, you the, I'll give you the overview of the whole Bible in just like two seconds. Okay. Adam and Eve are created. They're in the garden. God gives them dominion over everything. He said, I want you to rule over everything, be fruitful, multiply, rule over the earth, and subdue it. Satan enters into the garden, form of a serpent. He comes in. He begins to question what? The word of God. He actually makes Eve say what God said. What did God say? And Eve goes, well... Um, what God said was there's two trees. There's the tree of, of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we can have everything in this whole entire place, but we can't have that. And then Satan goes to work on the word. And he says, He you won't surely die if you eat that. I mean, just, just eat it. I mean, God knows that it's good for good for uh to eat. It's good tasting. It's like, why don't you just eat it? And she eats it. Because Satan knows that he needs, that Adam and Eve have the authority over the whole earth. God gave them authority over the whole earth. And when they sinned, they're taken away from authority and they gave the authority that God gave them to Satan. Then for all of the, uh, the Bible, basically, we, we find out that Satan has power. Okay, even, enough power to even come to Jesus and to tempt Jesus, the Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords. I've often asked myself, how can Satan even have the cojones to walk up to Jesus and be like, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth? How could he be so brazen? And everybody goes, well, Jesus owns all the kingdoms of the earth. Like, well, maybe. But why would Satan ask it? And why would Jesus put in the Bible? Because Satan had the authority. we called, actually called the prince of this earth. That's crazy to think about. This is what the Bible says about Satan, he has the authority. When Jesus goes to the cross and he dies, the Bible says that he came to defeat death. Not just death, but the curse that came from Satan through death. Okay, So he has the scroll, he goes back to heaven, and Satan is still roaming around. If you check out our online sermon, I preached a completely different sermon than today. It's actually about Satan. Satan goes around like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. He doesn't have authority over your life. He doesn't. He doesn't have the right to just come in and kick you around. He can't do that. But I tell you what he can do. He can question the word. And he can make you direct your whole entire life with your thoughts. So when Paul says, put on the full armor of God, put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, what he's saying is Satan is going to send fiery darts at you. And what he wants to do is trip you up into thinking and living your wife in a different way. Because he doesn't have authority over you, but he can take, he can deposit things in your mind. Right? We know that people can deposit stuff in our mind. Right? Facebook has a chip in my head. I think about a barbecue grill and all of a sudden a barbecue grill comes up on my phone. Anybody else? Any word like that? Like, I didn't even say that to anybody. You know, ads for like how, do they, how are they doing that? Right? Not that far-fetched. I'm just playing. They don't have a chip in my head. It's crazy to think about. So a lot of times in your life you're talking stuff. Satan's doing this to me. Satan's doing it. no, he's not. He's depositing stuff, and you're biting. And since you don't know how to train your mouth, you're fulfilling all the things out of your mouth, and it's directing your life. It's directing your life. You have to train your lips. God, set, God set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Why is this so important? Because the Bible knows that what you say, is like when they say bless each other with your mouth, they don't mean pat each other on the back. They mean speak out of your mouth and bless each other. That's why bless you is such a weird word. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Anybody else just kind of lost meaning there? What does that mean? Blessing means that all the power of heaven is with me, and I want to dispense it to you. Blessing. I'm blessed. That means that God's favor is on my life. When's the last time you talked like that? When's the last time you said that and meant it? Okay. No, instead, you're listening to the lies of the enemy. Okay. The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. Now, this means that every time you lie, the Bible says that lies are his native tongue. Every time that you lie, you're speaking the language of Satan. Can I go deeper? You want me to go deeper? Does anybody else feel like I'm just whipping the crap out of them? Okay. I had like five people this week. I'm like, I think you're preaching right at me. Can I go deeper? If when you lie, you speak the native tongue. This is what Jesus says. When you lie, you're speaking the native tongue of Satan. Think about that. Now, what is worrying? It's lying. When you sit in bed at night and worry over and over and over and over again, How many of those things actually happen? You told yourself a bunch of lies. So Satan just deposits a little fiery dart. He gives you one lie and you run with it. And you lie to yourself over and over again. Why? Because you have not trained your mouth. Will you train your mouth? That's the question. This is how powerful words are. Uh, Mark 11. And in the morning... As they passed by, they saw the fig tree that, that dried up from the roots. Now, Jesus is walking by. He wants some figs from a tree. He goes over, and there's no figs on this tree. He's like, you're a worthless tree. Be cursed. And they walk off. Now, what happened is the, the tree didn't uh, just die. But three days later, they came back by, and then the tree has withered away. Okay? So oftentimes, when we speak things, we don't see the results at first. We think it's ineffective. Right? But it is effective. It's doing something. Trust me. Some of you talked uh, badly to your kids when they were little, and now they're 50, and you're finding out what you said to your kids had effect on them. So here they are. They saw the fig tree drive through, and Peter, the genius, calling to remember to say to him, Master, behold, the fig tree with thou curseth wither away. It's gone. And I think Jesus would be like, duh, Peter. What do you think I was going to do? You think it was just a bunch of show? Like, no, what you say out of your mouth matters. He says, uh, and Jesus answered. So he doesn't just say, duh. He doesn't say, of course. He gives them a little sermon, right? To me, this is one of the most powerful sermons in the Bible, and most people will not uh, even subscribe to it. Have faith in God. Well, thank you. Actually, the literal translation of this is not have faith in God. It's have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. What? He shall have whatever he says. other words, impossible situation can't even happen. This mountain cast into the sea. We talk about that. We talk about it in songs. uh, The mountain's cast into the sea. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. What is the key to seeing that kind of thing? What you say out of your mouth. What you say out of your mouth. Now, what are you saying out of your mouth? Oh, the world's going to end tomorrow. That seems impossible. Last time I checked, Jesus said, this impossible thing can happen if you believe and you say it. You can have whatever you say. You can have whatever you say. So what's the deal? Brandon, what's the deal? What am I supposed to do? Where are we going with this? You just going to chastise us all day long? Well yeah, but I feel like, yep, yeah, it doesn't matter. What are you going to say? How are you going to control your mouth? How are you going to move forward? Most of you never have a target, so you'll say whatever. This is what the Bible says in Proverbs. Give me 18. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The second part is so weird. It's like those who love it, those who love your tongue. What am I supposed to do with that? You can love life, or you can be in love with death. You can be a worry wart, or you can see the future through God's eyes. You can be positive, you can be negative. You can see what's good, bad. And last time I gave, you, I gave you Philippians 3. It says, think on the things that are good, things that are lovely, things that are true. Why? Because that's what we're going for. And if you say those things, you can have whatever you say. You can have whatever you say. Because your actions come from your words. Your words come from your thoughts. And we're not even there yet. And your thoughts come from deposits. Hopefully this is life-changing to you. So think about this. Okay. So, here's what we have to do. You have to take, I want you to write this down. Take inventory of your words. Just take an inventory. And if you're not very good at inventory, you're kind of like too too good to yourself half the time, just let your spouse say, hey, I want you to just call me out. Tomorrow, just start with one day, <laughs> all right? And you can tell them, you can smack me across the mouth if I say something stupid, okay? They'll, they'll really be committed to helping you out, all right? All right, take an inventory of the things that you say. And then you go through your inventory and you go, if this were to come true, do I want it? about that. If this were to come true, so in other words, I take an inventory of what I say. All right. So the first thing is, I don't feel good. I'm probably going to have the flu. Do you want that? Okay? So, if the Bible talks about you have whatever you say, and you know that your words will create your actions. Right? And the funny thing is the science is proving this. They're figuring out that if you say things, long enough, you can wind up with illnesses just from saying that you have them and you never had them. Science has shown that one person froze to death in a freezer car that wasn't turned on because they thought they were freezing to death and they said it out loud long enough that he laid down and died and caught hypothermia in an unfrigerated truck. Think about that. It's crazy to think about. Your words have power. So, Take an inventory of your words, and then we're going to and then you're going to say, "Do I if if that is what I just said and I can have what I say, do I want that?" And the answer is going to be no, hopefully, hopefully. And then so what you need to do is you have to establish the truth, establish the truth. Okay. Now, if I'm facing bankruptcy, I probably need to face that head on. Right. I need to do something different with my money. I need to be educated. I need to seek law help for contacting creditors, all that kind of stuff. If you ignore that and be like, I'm never going to go bankrupt, it's not true. You have to find the truth. But the problem is we usually take the truth and then we amplify it in the wrong direction and then we side on the process of losing instead of the process of fixing. Right? So if I have cancer in my body, nothing wrong with going to the doctor. But how do I talk to myself after the doctor says, you have cancer? So I go, what is the truth? I have cancer. What is the truth about God's word? That by his stripes we're healed. That God can see me through this sickness. That all my children will be taught by the Lord. That I will leave an inheritance for my children's children. These kind of things are true because they're part of the word. So we have the circumstance, truth. And then we have how to address the circumstance. The circumstance. And that has to come from the Word of God. We're not just talking about some kind of pipe dream. There's some stuff, when we say you can have whatever you say, some stuff is just ridiculous. Right? But we know that what we say out of our mouth will affect our life every single day and where we go. So we have to establish the truth. The next thing, we have to speak the real truth. Establish the truth and then speak the real truth. Okay. So at our deepest core, we are the most critical of ourselves. Right? My generation, the, uh, the sweet kids from the 90s were right after the, the Generation X and were the first part of the Millennials. We lived without the Internet for a little bit. We, we were so sick of all the decadence of the Jet uh, the Xers and how they were so pompous. And Sorry, Jen and Eric, but you guys are ridiculous. Uh, so what did we do? We started making fun of ourselves. And you can watch TV shows from our, our time period. You can listen to our music, like, I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? Right? Uh, Kurt Cobain singing songs, I mean, the most depressing things. And it created a snowball effect for the next generations. Because it was easier to self-degradate than to grow into what God wanted us to be. And so everywhere we go, if we feel like we can call ourselves out on something before somebody else says it, It won't hurt as much. You're ugly. Oh, I know. I tell myself that every day. Right? This is the kind of stuff that happens in our thoughts over and over and over again. And we have to take inventory, establish the truth, and move forward. Oh, you'll never be anything. Like, I'm just not good at math. If I can say it before anybody else, it won't as much. You're not worthy of loving. Yeah, I'll probably be single for the rest of my life. And we say these things and we build, it almost makes us feel good and we have an identity around this thing instead of becoming what God wants us to be. And so we have to, after we establish the real truth, we have to not allow yourself to speak or think things that you wouldn't take from a stranger. Now, most of the time thoughts work like this. You're in your head. You're existing. You're thinking about what you're going to have for dinner, what you're going to do tomorrow, and then all these other thoughts come. Right? You're going to think about what you're how you're going to save money, but you you start to worry, right? It's like little thoughts come in. Okay? So in my mind, it's like there's five yous standing around in a circle having a talk. And then somebody comes up and just starts pointing fingers at every version of you. Right? Just like If you and your friends were outside of McDonald's, standing outside, and everybody's having a talk, and some random stranger goes, man, you're the ugliest thing. I don't think you're ever going to succeed in your life. You're so stupid. You always do just stupid stuff. Trust me. If I was standing with Eric Potter and Jeremy Ramazan, somebody came up talking to me, I, I guarantee that guy wouldn't last very long. But that's what we do in our head. We let thoughts come in, and then we say stuff like this. Oh, I've been thinking. What have you been thinking about? Who deposited the thought? Okay? You don't let you speak things to you that you wouldn't allow some stranger to speak to you. Period. Come in like, hey, I think this is going to be the worst week of your life. 2020 has already been terrible. I can't imagine the rest of you going any better. You're probably going to go broke. That's what you say to yourself, and you allow yourself to say it, and it's not your thoughts. It's just some deposit. And you keep speaking it. So don't allow yourself to speak or think things that you wouldn't take from a stranger. A majority of those are lies. Would you like somebody to lie to you? You won't let other people lie to you. You don't like it. So why do you let you lie to you every single day? So here's the next part. This is the last part. If you don't have a clear, decided statements, you'll say anything. So when you take an inventory... And then you decide what's the truth and what's the real truth, God's truth about it. Then you know what direction you're going to do go. If you don't have a direction, you will say anything. And you allow anybody that comes into your life, any thought that comes into your life, speak things to you and you'll begin to say them. And the Bible says that as you say them, you will become them. When I was 20 years old, I was convinced that my my knees were shot, wasn't I? Allie? Like, I, I'm just, I'm out of shape. I'm fat and old, right? Anybody else remember that when you were 20 years old? Like, you got out of high school, and you're like, yeah, I just, here, uh, I got a gut. I'm like, I'm 41 now. I wish I was 20 years old again. I wish I had my 20. I mean, I, I do it all over, man. I get in the gym more and work these things out, right? And to be quite honest, my knees feel better now than they did when I was 20. You know why that is? Because I don't allow myself to say, I'm old and my knees are shot. I got bad knees anymore. For a while, I had troubles walking up and down the stairs. I didn't tell anybody this. I would get up out of bed and I, I would like almost fall over out of bed. And I began to do things differently and, and think about what I was going to say out of my mouth. Not saying that, you know, all your ailments are because you keep saying the wrong things. But um, trust me, it can change your life. And I began to say, you know, my knees work great. And I started, I started. I bought a surfboard. I said, I, I borrowed 40, I was so broke. I borrowed 40 bucks from Ali. I was like, I need, I need 40 bucks. I gotta go buy this, this. it's, a, it's a, a cylinder and a surfboard. It's a balancing board, right? And so I just balanced on it. I couldn't even do it. I was up there in the thing and I just held on to the doors long enough and I began to build muscle. I was like, if anybody can do it, I can do it. If anybody can be strong, I can be strong. If anybody can surf, I can surf. If anybody can be a millionaire, I can be a millionaire. If anybody can be the president of the United States, Dustin, I can be president of the United States. If anybody, if anybody, I can. If anybody can, I can. Why? I've got God on my side. Why? I'm blessed. Why? Because everything I do shall prosper because I'm, I'm planted by streams of living water. And I feel better than I've ever felt in my whole entire life. There's nothing that I can't do. This is the way we begin to talk because every thought is against that is against the truth. Help me out, Ryan. You have got to transform what you say. And this week you've got to start with one thing. You gotta start with one thing. I remember I, I started writing down goals and and goals are an interesting thing because most people write them down and then they they just don't do anything with them or they're so far out there that they just they don't know if they can ever make it. But actually you started writing down some pretty crazy things. But I wanted to direct my life every single day, and you have to do that by deciding what you're going to say. One of the things I wrote on there is I want to go to Los Angeles four times a year. This year I've only been once, but twenty twenty is a crapshoot, right? You know but <laughs> Actually it's the best year of my life. Best year of my life so far. I wrote down go to Los Angeles four times a year. Because I asked God, I like, God, can I go to Los Angeles four times a year? That year I went four times. The next year I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to put a number on it. I'm just going to say this. I spend more than enough time in Los Angeles. Or in California, whatever I said. And somebody asked me, said, man, you're always in California. And so our natural reaction is so people don't think we're stupid and all that stuff is to shrink back. To make an excuse. And I could have said, well, you know, if you've been through what I've been through, you'd want to go to California more too. Right? I deserve a vacation. That's what we feel like we have to say when we if we do good things. You know, we I worked hard for that. And the natural thing is like, how do you have how do you have money to go to California? I could tell you how I do it. I go for little to nothing, but the excuse is, well, I, I, I do this and I, I'm not spending a bunch of money. I'm just go, my, my, I have some family members, they're always like, you, they have like a $4,000 oven in their a range in their house. They're like, wow, this is amazing. And they go, oh, we're cheap. We just got this. We won this. You know, like everything's an excuse to live below, to not just rise above. And so I didn't, I didn't want to make excuses for what God was doing in my life. I asked him if I could go to California and for some reason I just did. And I I think Allison, one time, like, she was like, Brandon, there's there's tickets on sale for like 120 bucks, like round trip, you know. And I I ended up going for like 140 bucks. And I was kind of so sick of going to California. I sat down, and I was just like, I don't know if I should go. Think about this. A year earlier, I was like, I want to go to California. I don't know if I should go. And my sister made me. She was like, You gotta go. It's like, just take everything you have in a backpack, take your skateboard, skateboard around, and just come home. Even if you don't even stay the night, just fly to California. It's like, that's ridiculous. That's stupid to do, is it? Because in my mouth, I was saying, I want to go to California four times. After that trip, I changed it. I said, I spend more than enough time in California. People begin to, like, point fingers at me. and Not in a bad way, just like, that guy, he's always in California. And like, Lisa even asked me, are you moving to California? <laughs> and That's like, it was kind of cool to feel like that. That I had directed my life with my words in such a way that other people noticed the difference in me. Think about this. My own brother asked me, he said, man, I saw you in California again. He got to live in California. I, would, I never really got to live there that much. He said, man, you're in California again. I bet that was great. For the first time, I said out of my mouth to somebody else, I spend more than enough time in California. Think about that. There's three things that I want to do with my life. They're my goals. And I hopefully I filter everything through them. One is to raise an incredible family. Raise an incredible family. The second one is to grow an unusually effective ministry or church. The third one's become a multimillionaire. And I'll tell people that. Now it's on record, so I got, I got to... So we said, what are you doing today? I said, I'm, I'm at the park with my kids. Wow, that sounds fun. And I would say, just goal number one. Every time I put money in the savings account and it hurt a little bit, say, man, I don't have enough money to save. I don't have money to invest. I, there's no way that I can, I can afford all this stuff. I change that. And every time it hurts to put money away and invest in the future and to leave an inheritance for my children's children, I say, it's just goal number three. Become a multimillionaire. Why? Because the Bible says that I can be a good steward and it will multiply. what is it that you have even decided that you want to do with your life? Because my guess is that what you're saying out of your mouth is reflective of you sailing an open sea with no rudder. Actually, you have a rudder. You're steering it in the wrong direction. The Bible says that your tongue is the rudder. It's effective. It's the the bit in the horse's mouth. You ever been bucked off a horse? Or powerful? Powerful powerful. Imagine how is that horse controlled by a little piece of metal? Your life is controlled by your mouth, but you don't know what you want with your life. You don't know what God says about your life, and so you'll just say anything. So your homework for this week, I'm glad there's not like a billion people here, because I just want I just want this between us friends, is to take inventory and then decide, is that what I want with my life? Is that what I want with my life? There are times I used to, I used to go to sleep and I thought, God, I'm unlovable. Who will ever marry me? Who would even want me? That's what I would say out of my mouth. When I wrote it down on paper, I said I have a beautiful wife, full of grace in the Holy Spirit. You know what I have now? Can anybody guess? What do you want with your life and what will you say? What will you say? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Learn how to train your lips. Set a guard over my mouth or keep watch over the door of my lips. You can have whatever you say. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about your mind and how it's transformed and it works by God's word and what you say combined. It's your mindset our thoughts I'm to pray for you today just bow your heads where you are Heavenly Father man it's a heavy thing to think about it's so simple it's so weird that what we say transforms our whole entire life God I pray today that we would line up with your word the truth of God's word about what you say and we would begin to just kind of spank our own selves over saying stupid stuff that we don't mean. That we would even hold each other accountable. That when we say something out of our mouth, that we would tell each other, is that what you want? Because that's what you're going to get. And we would transform, change. We would repent and change our mind to the new thing that we want to say. What can we say? you're more than enough, that you are the God that else should die, the God for whom nothing is too difficult, you're Jehovah Jireh, my provider, that everywhere I go, God follows me. He hems me up on every side. A thousand may fall on each side, my right hand, my left hand, but they, it, none of that stuff will come near me. Why? Because I'm a child of God, dearly loved by God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made that I'm a good steward of what God gives me. I know that what I invest in grows because God is working in my life. I invest my talents, and the master is pleased with me. These are the things that we should be saying. God, transform our lives according to your word. Transform our words according to your thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.